thankful for the never-ending love of God. Amen. Why don't you just turn to your neighbor and tell them something nice and then you can be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Be seated. Thank you. Thank you for being in God's house. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I'm still glad that we can come to God's house and worship in freedom. Thank God for that. Just, uh, just again, a way of reminding, uh, we are, we're working on trying to get this back area here where it firms up. And so when you drive on it, it'll be firm and, and uh, not soft. So that's why we've had a sprinkler system on it to uh, try to let that concrete firm up some. But hopefully by uh, this weekend, you'll be able to park back here um, if you would like. Okay. And then um, I'm hoping if they followed my directions, I'm hoping that some of you was able to park on this new cement tonight. Okay, and we're going to try to make that even better just to just to uh, let you know, we're going to actually have uh, cement that ties into Highway 12 on this side and a portico on this side as well. So not only porticos on the east side, but portico on the west on the west side as well. And uh, so that's what we're working on. And, and prayerfully, we're going to be getting this. Um, tie it in quickly over here and then back over here. We're going to be concreting that for additional parking as well. So what are you, what are we doing? We're just trying to get the baby's room ready, right? That's what good parents do. They don't wait till the baby comes. They get the room ready, right? 
Yo, I wanna, I'm gonna tell you something real quick. Uh, yesterday, I'd been in the office for quite some time, and I just decided, well, I'm gonna take a break. I've been in here a while, so I just got up, went outside, and I walked through the ditch, and I went to the stop sign because I wanted to look at the work that had been done and what had been accomplished for the day. And when I went to the stop sign, I waved at this car. I didn't have a clue who it is, but I typically wave just being friendly. Didn't know. The lady pulled her window down and I just said, hi, how you doing? And she said, hey, brother Neelan, how are you? So I'm still not quite sure how she knew me, but um, anyway, she said, brother Neelan. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I got something to tell you. I said, okay, what you got? She said, I had a dream about this church. I said, really? She said, yeah, I had a dream about this church. And she said, in my dream, there was this harvest like you would not believe. And she said, it was so incredible that the church couldn't even believe how incredible that it was. And I said, really? And she says, yeah. She said, I've been coming around looking. She said, things are looking good around here. And she said, I just want to tell you that TPC is going to experience a harvest that's going to be, it's going to be hard for them to believe. And I said, As, as far as I know, she don't attend here. I think she may have some kinfolks here, but she don't attend here. I couldn't even tell you her name. Um, but I said, thank you. We received that. And, and here's why I'm telling you that story. What are the odds of me just getting up and deciding I've been in here long enough. I need to take a break. Walk out there. And there's a lady whom I don't know, rode down her window and says hello and says, hey, by the way, I need to tell you this. What are the odds of that happening? I'm just wanting to remind somebody, no matter what you're going through right now, and you may be going through a bad situation, you just remember this. God's not dead. He's still on the throne. He's brought you through before. Come on, somebody. And he will bring you through again. How do you know that he won't fail me? Because he's never failed you. That's how I know, because I know his character. Now, he may not show up till 1159 and scare the daylights out of you. But he's never early and he's never late. He's right on time. God loves you. And me and Sister Janet love you too. And we thank you for your giving. If our ushers would come, we want to just give you a quick announcement. For the sake of our parents, I know our youth are already out. But for the sake of our parents, here it is. Alliance Youth will be having a Halloween party on October the 30th from 6 to 9 p.m. It will be at Brother and Sister uh, Debbie and Lonnie Bowyer's home located at 2550 Old. Do you say that seal? Old Seal Road. I didn't know that was the name of your road. Learn something. That's in Singer. They're going to enjoy a costume contest, bonfire, and hayride. Thank you, Brother Lonnie, Sister Debbie, for opening your home. We do appreciate that. Brother Lonnie, it's been working a lot and good to see you. Great people in this church, and we sure appreciate 
them. Thank you for that. Amen. You are great people, and I mean that with all of my heart. What a great privilege it is to be able to bring to you the word of the Lord. We're going to get ready for the word of the Lord, but before we do, thank you for your gift and your giving. May the Lord bless you as you give unto the Lord. Thank you. Bibles, would you go to the book of beginnings? That's going to be the very first book, the book of beginnings. And I am really getting tired of hearing myself. So I've asked AJ Holloway to come and preach for you next Wednesday night to give you a break from me and to give me a break from myself. So AJ is an incredible preacher, speaker. He's amazing. I try to bring you the best that I know, and in my opinion, he's one of the best. So I hope you will be here for 
next Wednesday night to support Brother AJ and just hear the word of the Lord from his lips to our heart. If you are a youth here tonight, you can go ahead and be dismissed. You're welcome to go upstairs. I am going to just, uh, I feel like I'll just teach tonight. Not so much preach, but teach. And here we go. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. And if you're ready, say amen. amen. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And that's what's going to kick us off tonight. Father, we thank you for your people, for your church, for the blood, the name, and the word. God, we ask you for the next, Lord, 30 minutes or so, just anoint our minds and our mouth and help us, help our hearts to be open to receive uh, what you would speak to us tonight. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say amen. amen. Thank you. You can be seated. If you're ready, say amen. amen. God made us as whole people in his image. In other words, we are a mirror image of God. I'm going to say that again. When you see your brothers or your sisters, do you realize that you are looking into a mirror image of God? You say, how do you know that? Because we are made in God's image and in his likeness. We are God's advertisement because we're made in the image of God. And we are to reflect God's image on the earth to our community, to our neighborhood, to our schools, to our families, our friends. We are to be his ambassadors taking this beautiful gospel to those around us. Amen? Now, this image, this image that God created us in is more than one dimensional. I'm going to ask Sylvia if she would. I want her to put up these different parts, these components of who that we are. Up on the screen, you will see that you are made up of different components. There's the social side of you. Do you realize that you need to be around people? There is a need you have to be around people. If you will do uh, a little research, you will find out that they have studied babies that were not touched for many, many months and the emotional effects that a lack of touch had on that child. You were made for social, to be social, to be touched. This is why Janet and I are holy huggers. We are holy huggers because we have had people tell us that your hug is the only hug I received all week. Well, you know what? I'm glad that we are holy huggers because everybody needs a hug. Everybody needs some love. Everybody needs a kind word. That's the social side of us. Then the intellectual side of us is part of who we are. You are creative because God is creative. Remember this, the enemy can only imitate, but God creates. You are creative because you are made in the image of God. And I pray all the time, God, give me creative ideas. Because one creative ideal can change your life. Pray for God to give you creative ideas. That's the intellectual side of you. And then, of course, the spiritual aspect. We're feeding that person right now, the spiritual man. And then you have the physical man. And then you have the emotional. 
So real quick, I've told you this before, and a lot of times I repeat myself. Not because I'm not reading and studying constantly, but because I understand that repetition is how you get it. I realize I tell you some of the same stories and tell you some of the same things. I'm not senile, thank God. Not right now. Not right now. So I, I, I don't forget that I tell you, oh my God, he's told us that 10 times. He must forget. No, I don't. But I get, I know this, you sing the same song. Some of you have been singing the same song since the sixties. Come on. Oh, so it's okay for me to repeat something more than once. Cause that's how you get it in your spirit. Right? So I know I've told you this before, but I'm going to tell you again. What I try to do every day is exercise for my body, right? Then I pray for my spirit and I read for my mind. Okay? That way you're touching, that, that way you're touching parts of your psyche every day. Because what feeds my spirit man doesn't feed my flesh. When I fast and pray, it feeds my spirit. But when I read and study, that's what feeds my spirit. But now when I have social activity and I am literally eating, that's what feeds my physical man. So you just have to understand what impresses God doesn't impress man. And what impresses man doesn't impress God. What you do for your spirit is different than what you do for your body. But you need to be able to have a balance in all of these. Does that make sense? Okay, so these are the different parts of who you are. And if you ignore any one of these parts of who you are, then guess what? It's going to have destructive consequences in your life. If you're doing really great physically and you're doing really great intellectually, but you don't know God at all, then that's going to have destructive consequences in your life. You say, what do you mean, pastor? The scripture says that if I gain the whole world and I've lost my soul, then what is it profiting me? Right? I would rather, I would rather be poor in this life and be rich with God than to be rich in this life and to be poor in spirit. In other words, in my relationship with God. Do you get me? So, if you meet a child who is mentally or physically challenged, then his or her mental and physical abilities and development, you're going to readily uh, see that. For, for example, if you were to see an autistic child that is extremely autistic and he or she is on a playground and all the other kids are there and they're interacting and they're having fun and they're laughing, but this one child is standing there in the playground, no interaction, no really um, facial expressions, no fun, uh, no social time with any other child. You're going to pick up on that pretty quick. Something is not quite right with this child. And so it is with us as you look at the components of who we are we get involved with people and it, it, it takes us a little while, but once we get involved with them, we begin to understand this person is not really emotionally mature as what they appeared. 
Have you ever met anybody quite like that? Once you got to know them, they were a little different than what they looked like on the outside. <laughs> I don't want to pick on you ladies, but so it works both ways. So I'm not picking on ladies because it works with men, but a man can be good looking. But once you get to know him, he's a jerk. And a lady can be really nice looking, but once you get to know her. You want to start backing out of that. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, just say amen. Don't raise your hand. Right? Okay. It took a minute. Right now, when we saw the autistic child, we knew immediately this child is probably has autism. Something isn't wrong. We can tell physically and intellectually this child is not developed. But when it comes to emotional development, many times that is not as easy to pick up on. And I have discovered this, brothers and sisters, that emotional and spiritual maturity are connected. And you can't be real spiritually mature if you're not real emotionally mature. How do I know that? Because I've learned it the hard way. Brothers and sisters, I am not exaggerating for the sake of emphasis when I tell you that I almost lost my family and everything that was very near and dear to me. Not because I couldn't pray, not because I couldn't read the word, not because I didn't come to church, but because of my emotional immaturity, I almost lost everything that was important to me. Now, I understand this kind of preaching is not really fun. It's not fun for me. And most of the time, it's not fun for you to listen to. But I want to tell you that it is very important that we learn to do more than just come to church and read a verse and sing a song and raise our hands. There's way more to us than that. We are God's advertisement. And I'm going to tell you, it is really tragic for you to look good really here and then be a jerk out there and claim to be a Christian and that's your advertisement for God. That doesn't help us who are striving to be what God wants us to be. So I'm just telling you right now, it's very important that we work on more than just our dance, but we work on who am I on the inside. What is my character and who am I when I walk out of these doors and no one is around me? Can I get a witness? Yeah, it's a wonderful thing, right? When we come to church and God forgives us of our sins and we experience justification, which means he takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness. And then we start cleaning up our lives, so to speak. You know, some of these things that we can see, you know, you get rid of this destructive habit. You, 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 you start doing this better. You clean your mouth up. Those are all wonderful things that we can see. But, but God doesn't want to just stop 
with just justifying you and putting righteousness on you. He also wants to sanctify you. He wants to do a deeper work than just justification. That is to get you in the kingdom. But once you're in the kingdom, he wants you to start becoming like him, acting like him, being like him. Why? Because you're God's advertisement. And he wants you to be whole on the inside, not just look good on the outside. Can I, can I talk to you? Some pastors seem, I don't know, I'm not judging them, but they seem content to just make sure their people look the way they want them to look. I'm going to tell you, I want all of us to be modest, but I want us to go deeper than just being modest on the outside. I want us to be godly on the inside. I want us to be whole in our inner man so that our character reflects God's character. Does that make sense? So here's how it looked like for me. It looked like that for me, as I started maturing and being in ministry, it was easier for me to be engaged in more activity for God than being with God. I'm going to say that again. In my younger days, it was easier for me to do activities for God than being with God. Why? Because I, I kind of like to perform tasks because I got my value based off of my performance. And if I was performing well and doing tasks, I felt like God was pleased with me and I wanted other people pleased with me. Okay? Anybody relate to that? But now, as I'm getting older, I'm no longer begging God. I used to go into the prayer room and forgive me for my ignorance, but I'm just telling you how it was. I'd go into the prayer room and I would beg God to save people. Oh God, save Cleveland. Save Cleveland, God. Cleveland needs to be saved. I'd go into the prayer room and I would beg God, God, heal this community. Heal them, Lord, spiritually. Heal them emotionally, God. Heal this community. And now as I have matured, I have realized that Jesus went to Calvary and he has already poured out salvation. Salvation is for whomsoever will, let them come. I no longer have to go into a prayer room and beg him to do what he's already done. I don't have to beg God to save people. I don't have to beg God to heal people. He's already done that by his stripes. Ye were healed. So I quit begging God to do what he's already done and understand that I am his ambassador and it is my opportunity, privilege to take to this world the good things that he has already done for them. Now, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. But now I'm no longer asking those things. I would be in a prayer room and I would say, God, Lord, I want you to bless me. Bless me so I can be a blessing. I no longer pray that. I now pray, God, what are you blessing and help me to do that? Not bless my will, Lord, but let me do your will that you are blessing. So in other words, God, where do you want me to be today? What is your will today? How do you want to pray through me today? Not my will, not how I want to pray, but God, how do you want to pray through me? Does this make sense? Yes. 
I do want this community to be transformed. And I believe that you want this community to be transformed. But I also want to have a healthy inner man that is beneath the surface of just Christianity and the way I look on the outside. Here's what I mean by that. And now I want to get into the meat of this. Most of us tend to be unaware of what's going on inside of us. Now, this is going to be hard for me to preach. It's going to be hard for you to listen. But I promise you, if you will, I believe it will help you. I read a true story about a Chinese pastor. And this Chinese pastor had a son and a wife. And I don't know all the particulars because you'd probably want to ask me this question and I don't know it. But for whatever reason, this Chinese pastor, his wife and son lived in one city. And he lived in another city that literally took him 20 hours by train to get to the city that he lived in to pastor the church that he lived at. Wife and son lived in another city. I don't know why. Story didn't tell me. But the story told me that this pastor, this Chinese pastor, would come home once a year on the Chinese New Year, and he would stay the night with his wife and his son, spend the night, see them, and then get back on the train the very next day. The story told me that when this daddy, this pastor, was going to the train to get on the train, the son runs to his dad crying and saying, Daddy, please stay with us. And here's what that Chinese pastor did to his son. He looked at his son and said, Satan, get thee behind me. And he kicked him. And he got on the train. Now that is extreme, ladies and gentlemen. And you think, my God, how could that even be? But here's what I want to tell you. This pastor is not even aware of what he is doing to that wife and that child. He's not even aware of it. Can't even see it. You know why? Because he thinks that he is doing God's work. And he has no time for his family because he's busy doing the work of God. I'm not here to tell you what will happen. I'm here to tell you what I think is going to happen. If that doesn't change, the day's going to come if this pastor lives, he's going to get older and that young child is going to want to have nothing to do with his father. And when he's in an old folks home, unless God really does a work on that child, he ain't going to want to come see that daddy because he's going to say, you never were around for me. Bless God, I'm not going to be around for you. But the poor Chinese pastor probably can't see it. Here's what I'm saying. There are things in all of our lives that we can look at that Chinese pastor and we can say, how can you not see that? 
How can you not see what you are doing to your wife and to your son? And we can see it. But guess what? There are things that we are doing, maybe not that extreme, but we can't see it either. We can't see it. And this is why we really need to ask God, God, would you show me myself? Even though I know that I probably don't want to see it, would you show me myself so that I can be the spiritually, emotionally healthy Christian that you want me to be? Because here's how I feel. If the Chinese man literally won his whole community, but he didn't reach his son. And if we come to church and if you think I'm a good guy, but when I go home, Janet and Trey and Molly don't think I'm all that great, then I'm going to tell you I have failed because I want to be a hero in my home before I'm a hero to you. And if you think I'm a hero, I want you to know right now I'm not. Don't put me on that pedestal. Put God on that pedestal. Because I don't want to be there because I don't belong there. Because I'm going to tell you something. I am flesh. And I am subject to mess up. Can I get a witness? Yes, that is a very sad story. But the reason why that God tells us, brothers and sisters, and I know this is hard to hear, but God tells us in his word, be still and know that I am God. Is because many times we are so full of distractions and TV and social media and things going on that we don't sit still long enough for God to speak to us and show us some emotional, unhealthy things in our lives. Can I get a witness? Okay. I want, I want Sylvia to put this on the screen. Our doing for Jesus should flow out of our being with Jesus. Can I say it again? Our doing for Jesus should flow out of our being with Jesus. Jesus teaches in John, you can read this in John 15, verses 1 through 8. Jesus teaches that we are to abide in him and then abound in fruit. You say, I want to be fruitful for the Lord, then learn how to abide in him. If you will abide in me, and my word abide in you. You shall ask what you will and it shall be done. But many times we don't want to sit long enough to abide in him so we can abound in fruit. We just want to go do something. And God is saying that it's not about you being a human doing. It's about you being a human being. It's about you fellowshipping with me and getting quiet and getting in solitude and getting in silence. I used to feel like when I was in my early 20s and 30s that, you know, I just had to walk and pray literally for an hour. And I would just, you know, go on again, begging God to do and do. Now I can tell you that my prayer is totally different and now I am spending more time in silence. 
Because I want God to pour his love into me so that I can pour it out. I can tell this is difficult for us. Look how this plays out, though. Stay with me, please. Look how this plays out in Luke 10. Jesus sends out his 72 disciples and they come back to Jesus and they say, Jesus, we want you to know we got a great report card. He says, all right, lay it on me. Me paraphrasing. They came back and they said, Jesus, we went out and devils came out in your name. And Jesus said, man, that's awesome. But he said, don't rejoice that demons are subject to you. He said, rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You say, why is that important? Because Jesus wanted them to know and to remember this, that their joy comes from relationship in him, not their achievements for him. Jesus, we cast out demons in your name. High fives all around. That's awesome. But guys, don't rejoice over that. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. We have been taught it's what we do for Jesus. And we should do things for him but not based out of trying to get him to love us more. We should be doing things for him as we abide in him because Jesus did not heal every sick person. He did not save every lost person. You say, do you know that? The Bible tells us, the Bible says there were many widows in Zarephath, but God didn't send Elijah to them. So there were people God didn't heal and there were people God didn't touch. But why did God look like and was a winner every time? Because he stayed with his father and he only did what his father told him to do and he only spoke what his father told him to speak. Could it be? Here's just a thought. Here's a thought. You ready? She's not ready. So pass her by. So the Lord passed that one by because he already knew the mind of God. She's not ready. He's ready. Pray for him. God prays for him. And every time he looks like a winner. How did he know that? Because he wasn't going around trying to show off. He was spending time with God so that when he did go out to the public, he was extremely effective and he never missed it. He wasn't so enamored by trying to build a ministry and to make you think he was great, he was more concerned about doing the will of the Father. And if I, abide, if I abide with him, then when I go into public ministry, I'm going to abound in fruitfulness because I'm only going to do what my Father tells me to do. Did that just make sense? And yet the enemy tries to get us just to do this, do that, do this. And you know what? Many times it's not effective. 
I have people that ask me, would you pray for me? And I say, yes, I will pray for you. But you know what? I don't, I'm not saying this mean. I'm going to pray for them because they asked me to. But I can already tell you, not much is going to happen. Why? Well, I don't know all the reasons, but I do know this. I know when God quickens my faith. And when God quickens my faith, then that's the time to do it. See, God is going to honor his word, ladies and gentlemen. I hope I'm not confusing you. But God is going to honor his word. And you say, he's already done it. You're right. He's already done it. That is absolutely right. But you and I both know just because we pray for somebody doesn't mean they're going to get healed. I'm not trying to confuse you. What I am trying to do is to get you to understand that God don't want us just going around just trying to, you know, use him that I'm doing this and I'm doing that. No, stay and abide in the presence of God until you are to go out and do that. And then when you go out and do that, the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord was with him. And when he went out of the wilderness, that is when he began to do his ministry. But for 30 years, brothers and sisters, he never laid a hand on one person. What was he doing? He was preparing himself, preparing himself, preparing himself. This is what I told Trey. I said, Trey, listen to me, son. Take the first 30 years of your life to do nothing but prepare yourself for the next 40. Prepare yourself. Jesus was preparing himself. Have I made sense to you? Okay. Give me just a couple of more minutes. What we do, brothers and sisters, matters to a point, okay? What we do matters to a point, but who you are is more important than what you do. Again, I know this is tough teaching, but if you can get it, it's going to help you. What you do matters. What I do up here matters. But who I am matters more than what I do. Why? Because a gift can put you on a stage that your character can't keep you there. Why was God preparing for 30 years? Because no one had ever seen the miracles that God had done. And when God started doing these miracles, He had to make sure that His foundation went as deep as his giftings took him. And God wants you and I to be more than just a flash in a pan. He wants us to be emotionally healthy so that when God starts to do some things, we don't get lifted up. And we realize this only happened, this abounding fruit only happened because I've been abiding in his presence. Because this ain't here to make me look good. I'm here to be God's advertisement to make him look good and to take what he's given me to help restore people back unto himself. Does that make sense?
Okay, why is it that, yes, you do matter, yes, what you do, what you do matters, but who you are is more important than what you do? Why is that, Pastor? Because the love of Jesus in you is the greatest gift that you can give to others. I'm going to say that again because I, I know I can feel you don't believe that. So let me say it again. The greatest gift that you can give to others is love. But you can't give what you don't have. And so I have to get still and let him pour in his love. Pour in a fresh anointing. Pour in a fresh word. Quicken my faith. So that when I do step on this stage, I've got something to give that is more than lip service. It's more than head knowledge. But it's coming from my heart. And you can feel the difference. And you know the difference. And this is what God wants to do. Is he wants to fill you full of his love so that you can go out and be his ambassadors and help restore the broken heart, heal the sick through the power of his love. Who you are as a person and specifically how well you love will always have a larger and longer impact on those around you than what you do. I'm going to say that again. People don't remember so much of what you said. They remember how you made them feel. I'm going to say that again. People don't remember so much of what you say, but how you make them feel. And people can detect if you're real or not. They can pick up on a fake. I had a young man, I stayed out in the parking lot with him for him and a friend for a good hour. And he told me, Brother Neelan, I came to your church. He said, I, I, I came and he said, I, I've been hurt by pastors before. He said, but I came and I said, well, I'll give it a shot. And he said, I'm going to tell you why I came back because I felt like you were real. Because I'm going to tell you, the world out there is excellent at spotting a fake. Because they see them every day. Every day they see them. And you know what? I say, God, I want to be real to your people. And fill me with your love. So that when I get up there, they feel the love of God emanating from me. I want to tell you, our world is starving for the love of God. They're starving for the real people of God to say, you know what? I may not be perfect, but I'm here to tell you I love you and God wants to do an incredible work in your life. Am I making sense? Does this make sense? Okay. And here's the thing, and I'll wrap this up. Y'all can come help me. I need to wrap it up. Thank you, baby. I appreciate that. I thought that I was getting married for one thing and did not realize that God had something else in mind. Many times when you're young, you, you've got certain things in your head about marriage. 
And we think that marriage is to make us happy and we don't realize that marriage is really to make us holy. Because we have blind spots. And it takes somebody outside of ourselves to show us ourselves. And I'm going to just tell you, please stay with me just a minute. Y'all, I almost lost it all because I, I was full of anger toward Janet. Why, Pastor, was you angry with her? Because I had to realize what the root was. And it took me a long time. What's the root? It was perfectionism. I am a perfectionist. And I wanted Janet to do it like me because I thought my way was right because I thought I was perfect. You look at me and you say, you're crazy, Pastor. You don't even know the half of it. And because Janet didn't do it like me because I thought my way was perfect, then I got mad at her because I think I'm perfect and she needs to do it like me. And the Lord started showing me, you're emotionally immature. And the whole root of your anger is perfectionism. But here's what I had to learn. You can't defeat what you don't define. So what did you do? I went to counseling. I started working on myself. And I started allowing Janet to be who she is because she's not supposed to be like me. But guess what? I couldn't see that. I couldn't see my own perfectionism. That's why I needed a wife to come alongside me and show me things about myself that I couldn't see. Because I'm going to tell you something. Anger and selfishness will kill a marriage. How do you know? Because it almost killed mine. I know this is hard for you to hear. I know it's difficult. I understand. But ladies and gentlemen, I can't tell you how much that I am thankful for my wife now. Because God used her to show me myself. And the reason why most people live their life in a circle is because they never think that anyone is right but them. <laughs> Janet told me today, she called me up and she said, Wayne, she said, I've lost my debit card. I said, oh, my Lord, Janet. She said, I can't find my debit card. I said, oh, dear God. Well, you're going to find it. So she, it took hours. She retraced her steps. She had gone to Dairy Queen. Then she had gone to somebody's house. And then she had done this. She had gone there. So she retraced all of that. Walked out in this person's yard looking for the debit card. Called Dairy Queen. Just hours and trying to find her debit card. Looked through a purse, looked through it, trying to find the debit card. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. She told Molly, she said, Molly, 
would you please just look through my purse? I've looked through it about three times, but would you please look through my purse? Molly looked through her purse and said, here it is, Mom. I found it. I found it. Here's the point that I want to make. Janet has a way of looking through her purse. She sees it through her eyes, but she needed a different set of eyes to see her purse in a different way. Molly said, here it is. Mama had looked and looked and couldn't see it because Mama was looking, used to looking at that person, used to looking at that billfold and seeing it in a certain way. But it took different eyes to see. Here's the card. You need a pastor in your life. You need a therapist in your life. You need a counselor in your life. You need a really close, trusted friend in your life that can speak into your life and tell you things that you can't see yourself. Because if not, even as a Christian, you're going to hurt your family, you're going to hurt your friends, you're going to hurt those around you because you can't see yourself. Why, Pastor? Are you preaching like this? I don't get it. Because I want you to have a healthy home. I want you to be a healthy man and a healthy lady and grow healthy kids. Because I want more for you than a good dance on a Sunday and long sleeves. I want that. That's fine. No problem with either one of those. By the way, I don't have a problem with short sleeves either. Okay? I don't have a problem. But I want more than for you to look good on the outside. I want you to be whole on the inside. Because I can tell you something. Seriously, I know I got a long way to go. But Janet can testify to this. I'm treating Janet better than I've ever treated her. I'm loving her deeper than I've ever loved her. I am changing as a man. I am changing as a pastor. Because I don't want to just be able to quote the word. Because listen to me, I'm going to quit. You know the hardest person to lead is yourself. Yeah, that's another message. But listen, it's real easy for me to get up here and say, Sam, here's what you got to do. By the way, me and Sam are in a Bible study. He's growing and I'm loving it. And right now, I'm telling Sam what to do, right? Sam, this is what you need to do. You need to do this, this, and this. And guess what? That's easy for me to do. You know what's hard? is to lead myself and to make sure that I'm doing what I tell Sam he needs to be doing. That's called being emotionally healthy. And here's why... I brought you a very difficult word to preach and to listen to. Because I don't want you to just look good. I want you to do good. I want you to be everything that God wants you to be. And here's what I know. If you want God's best, you can't do God's best and be God's best 
if you're emotionally immature and you won't allow people to speak into your life. tell myself I'm only going to go 30 minutes and here I am at 45 here's what I know I know this they don't build 100 story skyscrapers on a 5 foot foundation don't do it why it can't handle it when the storms come and the winds blow guess what that, that building's coming it's, it, it it may not come down, but it's going to be seriously damaged. Many times they will go 25 stories down in the ground. 25 stories down in the ground to build a 100-story skyscraper. Scraper. Did I say scaper? Thank you. I need you. Well, what are you saying, Pastor? I know you're getting ready to go. What I'm saying is if you want God's best, let him take you down. Let him show you yourself. What you do matters, but who you are matters even more. Why? Because you're God's advertisement. And then when you abide in him, you can abound in fruit. And then he says, lay your hands on this one. Yeah. I got a word for this one. Call this one. See, the revival that God wants for us is more than pastor laying hands on everybody. It's these signs shall follow them that believe. God wants to use you. But your spiritual health equates to your emotional health. Hmm. Because what you do matters, but who you are is more important than what you do. Would you stand with me? You have been more than kind to me. Thank you. I learned that I can only get you to serve God for so long out of fear. And then eventually, that's going to wear off. But if I can teach all of us to serve God out of love, then I'm going to tell you something. That'll change your life. Because you get to a place that you no longer want to do some of the things you used to do because you don't want to hurt him because you understand how deep he loves you. I love all of you. Would you bow your heads? Father, I just thank you for your word. I know this is, I know it's difficult. It's difficult to hear. 
difficult to preach. But I do believe that where you want to take TPC is more than an inch deep and a mile wide. And so, Father, I am I'm praying that your people would just, Lord, respond and receive this word so that we can receive all that you want from us and all that you want us to be. So that, Lord, we won't be men that are hurting our wives and we won't be women that are hurting our husbands and we won't be parents that are hurting our children and we won't be pastors that are hurting our congregations. That, Lord, we're loving deep. We're having compassion. We're making a difference through what you have done in our lives. Father, I just thank you for your people and I thank you for your word. Take all of us and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. Thank you again. I hope, to, I, hope I didn't scare you off tonight. Come Sunday, it'll be different. God bless you. I love you. Give some love away. Thank you.